Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Exiles Network News, episode number 36. And it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm really excited. You see, last week, it was just me, Lupe, and Christian. But the Academy should nominate us for the best VFX because we are back in full effect. It's going to be the usual three of us. We missed Paul last week, and, and Paul is here. So let's start with our introductions. I'm yours truly, Lupe. I'm joined by Christian. Hey, Christian. What's up, man? Hey. And I'm joined by Paul as well. Hey, guys. Flattered uh, flattered that you missed me. I'm uh, back after a, a previous family commitment uh, last week. My daughter and I were... Uh, on the fourth movie of a uh, Pirates of the of the Caribbean marathon that uh, we had committed to, and uh, we got through all five and, and really enjoyed it. So uh, thank you guys for giving me the week off, and uh, glad to be back. Looking forward to talking some movies tonight. Paul's back. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, we, we have a, a really beefy episode today. Uh, just a few topics, but we're really going to go deep into it. Here's a rundown of topics for the day. We're going to start off with Matt Reeves' Batman spinning off into a kind of quasi-mini-universe of its own. Uh, Matt Reeves is bringing a series called Gotham Central, tentatively, to HBO Max. Then our next topic, we're going to talk about Netflix, um, their top 10, they released top 10, um, their top 10 most watched original movies ever. And then we're going to end with this exciting interview that Grace Randolph uh, hosted uh, of Zack Snyder. We're going to, you know, sort of do a deep dive and kind of break it down and uh, tell you guys what we think about the interview. So without wasting time or anything, let's get right into it. So we're starting with M Matt Reeves' um, Gotham Central series. This is the, the company Screed. It's set in the world Reeves is creating for the Batman feature film and will build upon the motion pictures examination of the anatomy of corruption in Gotham City, ultimately launching a new Batman universe across multiple platforms. The series provides an unprecedented opportunity to extend the world established in the movie and further explore the myriad of compelling and complex characters of Gotham. So... It's uh, nicknamed Gotham Central at the moment, and it's going to be written and executive produced by uh, Terrence Winter, and some of his credits include Boardwalk Empire and The Sopranos on HBO. The involvement of um, Robert Pattinson uh, and Jeffrey Wright is unclear at the moment. So, guys, are you excited about this news? Um, Christian... You can start us off. Um, I know exactly what you're going to say, but go for it. <laughs> so I'll start with something positive before I go with what, exactly, what you know I'm going to say because you know it's coming. <laughs> uh, you know, you got a guy like Terrence in there, okay, who was – dude, he, Wolf of Wall Street is under him. He did the screenplay for that, which is fantastic. He executive produced and did a whole bunch of other stuff on The Sopranos. Boardwalk Empire, he was creator. You know, as well as executive producer, the guy's got some creds, right? So you got some cred with him. So I fully expect him to do something good. I fully expect him to do something meaty, fully expect him to do something that I think will honor 
the comics will bring fans in and hey it's hbo max so we know what hbo can do hbo can do some good shit they really they bring it this is prestige television awesome my problem why am i supposed to care about this and i'm Mm. I'm having difficulty and i understand that look they've given us stuff before that we didn't think we were going to care about and we wind up caring about it (laughs) i gotta say it lupe here you go hbo take an idea chuck it up in the air throw it against the wall see if it sticks and oh here we go okay we got the the internet is exploding over this one i guess we'll keep that one the internet didn't like that so we're gonna okay we're not gonna do that one that's what we'll do we'll we'll pull back on that bullshit i don't one of the coolest things about dc comics you know this as a fan and it's the same with marvel with their multiverse is infinite earths it's one of the coolest things about the dc comics i've talked about this ad nauseum there's no reason for me to go into it again if this is the direction that they want to go it's interesting because hbo max is prestige you could have some great stuff coming at hbo max you can have a Snyderverse. you can have whatever the hell the pattinson verse is i don't know what that is the Reeves verse you can have all this stuff coinciding and coexisting with whatever the dceu is kind of doing I think fans can buy it, but we like right now, what are we buying? I don't know what we're buying at the moment. Everything's kind of up in the air. I understand COVID. Forget COVID for a second. Everything's up in the air, though, with like Pattinson's Batman. Where does it exist? Where is it in the continuity? Blah, blah, blah. I think fans are smart enough to get it if you're going to do multiple things. But you might just want to kind of break it down and say, this is the direction we want to go. I'm just... I, I know this sounds like I'm being an asshole, guys, and I really apologize. Why do I care about this show? Why do I give a shit other than the fact that it's HBO Max? It's got a great creator and show writer behind it. Other than that, why do I want to watch this show? I want to see Batman or I want to see Kal-El or I want to see Wonder Woman. or You know what I'm saying? Like, Why do mm-hmm. I care about the Gotham Police Department? They're going to have to work on that. Maybe I'm wrong here, and you guys care about the Gotham PD. I don't. So – I, I, I'll throw it back to you guys. Am I, I don't know. I, do you have a better answer than I do? Because I, I don't care. That's the problem. Paul. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, do you have a better answer? I was thinking, do I? Um, no, I don't. Um, let me start off by saying that I'm um, I'm actually pretty excited about the, the Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman. I, I think it looks really good. I've, been, I've liked what I've seen. Um, I think the... Um, you know, I think it's going – everything I've seen about it looks like it's going for the right tone, like super mm-hmm. grounded, super gritty, dark, um, you know, from a, a good filmmaker and a good actor. And I like the cast, and I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a new and interesting take on the Batman, and I, um, I'm i really looking forward to that one. But like Christian says, I, why do I care about the Gotham PD? I mean I, I never watched Gotham the TV show, I, mostly because I, I I thought it was a dumb premise. I don't, I don't want to see um, – you know, the origins of these villains without Batman. I want to see a Batman story. Now, um, I will say that I'm I'm not strongly against this. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on it because also, like Christian said, HBO makes good quality programming and they've mm-hmm. got good people attached to this. And um, and so I'm going to reserve judgment because I think you could you could convince me that this this is going to be good. Um, I just won't believe it till I see it. And uh so far, as I say, it's, it's lukewarm. It's a little bit um, – now, I'm going to disagree with you, Christian, where you said that they're just throwing shit at the wall again and seeing what sticks. This actually seems like a strategy that HBO Max might be implementing because we're mm-hmm. seeing 
the same thing with Dune that we are with the Batman, right? They're 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 putting big money and backing into Dune theatrically mm-hmm. with Denis Villeneuve, and then they're spinning it off in a um, you know with with a sisterhood series on HBO Max um, that that's going to tie in with the movie. And now we're seeing the same thing with Batman. They're they're backing Batman theatrically, getting Matt Reeves, getting Robert Pattinson, and then they're doing a, a tied off a tied in spinoff on HBO Max. And I have no doubt that this is going to be better than. Than Gotham. I mean, watching a commercial for Gotham was enough to tell me I didn't want to see Gotham. I don't <laughs> think I'm going to have the same problem uh, with this. Although I don't care about the Gotham Police Department. I, I'm actually more interested in the villain origins than I am in the Gotham Police Department. I really don't care about them. Um, but again, maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, it's got it's got good people attached to it, um, and that wouldn't be the first time where something I didn't see the value in ends up surprising me by how good it is. So right. I'll reserve judgment till we have more information. Uh, but so far lukewarm on this, but fired up for the Batman. Lupe, what do you think? Uh, yeah, personally, I'm not so fired up for the Batman. I was, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never thought that Robert Pattinson's a great casting choice for Batman, um, especially coming on the heels of Ben Affleck, who's like, made in a lab to be batman um i just i i see robert pattinson fitting more of like a batman villain um than actual batman himself i'm not saying he can't do a good job um and then when i've seen like the costume the batmobile i just have not been pleased with what i've seen from it i as i still maintain the expectation that the story is going to be great Dialogue's going to be great. It's going to be quite complex. It's going to be like a good movie, but just the um, the superhero language, as I say, I think the superhero language is going to be lost. That's that's. I, I don't think it's going to have like great action, um, great like Batman iconography, that sort of thing. And I feel like you don't need to have one or the other. The great thing about like the reason why I love Zack Snyder's uh, movies is that he's able to combine, you know, that great, you know, sort of like storytelling that I know the Batman is going to have with that great sort of comic book uh, visual language, iconography, mythology. Um, I think that we're going to just have one side of the coin, and we're not going to have the full thing. So, and for for the series, which is what we're actually talking about. I'm not really looking forward to it as a Batman thing. The only reason why I'm looking forward to it is because it's HBO Max and because of the writer and um, Terrence Winter. Um, I think his track record is is incredible. And even if I just heard that, oh, Terrence Winter is going to make a series based on the police department and urban crime and corruption in high places, I would be my interest will be peaked. Um, so that's the extent of my, of my excitement for it. It's just the, the talent involved and the fact that it's HBO, you know, HBO max. We'll see how, how, if they follow suit with what HBO has been doing, but let's assume that, you know, they're, they're like HBO, just the quality. That's enough to have me interested. That's hey, it. Lupe. 
Yeah, go ahead. Can I, I apologize to interrupt, and I don't want to extend this topic for too long, but I just want to mention real quick, and you guys know I'm a comic lover, and I love these characters, and you, you throw any comic book character in front of me, and it's a movie or a TV show, I'm going to give it a shot, right? So I'm going to at least see it, because I'm, I'm a sponge with this crap. I, at least I admit it. I know my, <laughs> I know my weakness. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the problem, and you guys could tell me if I'm wrong, part of the problem is that like everything needs to be a comic book property now. I understand mm. that that's what's making money. I get that. And I understand that the studios across the board, whether if it's ATT, you know, owning Warner Brothers or Disney owning Marvel, whatever, I, I get that this is the kind of stuff that's bringing in some bucks. So I understand that. But like, it's the same with Joker. Like, Joker for me was a good movie. I liked Joker, but Joker didn't have to be Joker. But the way we consume media right now, and how we're going to the theater and the way these studios are thinking, it had to be Joker in order to A, get made, and B, to even think that it would make money. And I, I think that's part of – that's that's a problem. Like why can't a story or a movie or whatever be good just because it is what it is? I just made all those comments about this TV show, and the way you just explained it sounds better than me giving a crap about the show because it's set in Gotham City. If they were going to set it up as some sort of crime drama – and now we're talking like Sopranos-esque kind of thing going on, whatever. Now you might have piqued my interest a little more. Mm-hmm. But because, Christian, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to I was going to rebut that a little bit and say that um, I'm tired of a standard crime drama with mafia well, families yeah, and that you. kind of stuff. Like, So for you. me, there, there's no way I'm watching a, a standard crime drama about crime families and corrupt police officers. I, I just don't care. The fact that you put it in Gotham at least will make me check it out. I may not stick with it, but I'll give it a chance and just see what it's about, especially if I like the Batman movie. So it is going to bring my eyes to it where it wouldn't otherwise. Now, here's a take that will probably get me canceled. I read (laughs) The Long Halloween. God, I I wasn't into it. And and that's (gasps) all about crime families, like the Falcones. Canceled. Who is the the other? What's the other? The two crime families, the Falcones, and who is the other one? Do you remember? Oh, that's going to kick my ass. And I was just like, shit, Uh. I I'm not into this. Like, I just, I don't, I don't care about crime families. I just don't. I don't care about mafia and gangsters and like uh, mod- or, uh, the traditional gangsters, that kind of stuff. I just, I just don't care anymore. I've seen enough of that in my life. I don't need to hear any more of those stories. So um, if that's where they're going with this, count me out. And, and if, if they did that outside of the Gotham setting, they wouldn't even get my eyeballs in the first place. So, um, and that being said, you know, this Terrence Winter, um, I've not seen hardly anything he's done like boardwalk empire is a classic example of something that people say is great but i'm just tired of that subject matter i just don't care so i've never checked out boardwalk empire um so i know that may put me in the minority maybe a lot of people are still interested in that i'm just i'm tired of that subject matter so cancel i don't know yeah is I it guess. Joe Vitti? I guess. is that the other guy it's joe Vitti, right i thought it was a v anyway no that's falcone's nephew now i can't remember jesus that's gonna kill me yeah lupe you don't oh, remember because yeah. you said you no, like long no, Halloween as well right no, i i i think if I'm remembering, it might have been um, a family that was made up for for that one, or an oh, I can't remember. Me. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, because you know what? I, I read a bunch of the Batman graphic novels, um, you know, over the past never, year. Uh, yeah, and I'm I was I was, le- I was far less into that than I expected I would be. I like Court of Owls. Court yeah. of Owls is pretty good, but uh, you know, wow. I'll, I'll I'll recommend you another one, and I'll see and I'll see whether whether you. Uh, uh, whether you whether you like it, there's another one that I, that I actually even prefer to the Long Halloween. Although I do love the Long Halloween, um, um, is it the Moroni family that you were? Uh, talking? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's yeah, it. yeah. I just looked up a character list. It's yeah, like the Moroni family. Um, that's it. But um, yeah, 
for me, I just I think also what's interesting is that okay, so just to respond to what Christian said, I think that it might be an organic thing. Think about this. You're building this whole universe, um, telling these stories, and you're like, man, there's so much background here. And imagine what was happening because some of the best creators of of you know these worlds, they don't just focus on the story that they're telling. They try to you know give this rich history and this rich background. So organically, you know, it might not just be you know a cash grab kind of situation. It might be a situation where they're like, you know what, there's actually something you know beautiful and brilliant here. That we can that we can tell um, this whole story that's been there before this masked vigilante came into the fray. So it could be organic in that way. But I do understand where you're coming from with your with your concerns. They're very well, and, very and, very valid. And then just occurred to me that part of the reason I read the Long Halloween was because there's a lot of speculation that Matt Reeves the Batman was actually going to be heavily influenced by that ah, story. So, so. And so. <laughs> And so it would it would actually make sense that uh, that this Gotham PD show might deal with the crime families and that kind of stuff, right? Because Falcone is in Matt Reeves the Batman, so yeah, sure. I, oh I, boy, I, that doesn't that doesn't dampen your yeah, it doesn't. You know what? I'm still excited about the movie. I mean, just just it's it's a comic book. As long as there's Batman and it takes itself seriously, I'm going to be pretty tolerant to the movie. Whether or not I care to watch the spinoff series, that's another story. So that's we'll nice. see. Time will tell, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. 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 Um, I, I just think, just to, to to wrap it up, it's interesting because we're in a time where, at least American audiences, you know, everyone else has a different relationship with their police uh, police forces. Um, American audiences are reexamining their their relationship and their perspective on the police and what the police do. I mean, in terms of you know, um, a lot of like peaceful demonstrations, and then police have you know, been set loose on on civilians and I feel like the main mainstream America is begin is is getting a glimpse of how minorities have seen police. Um and so there's there's quite a bit of talk and entertainment about how, you know, police have been, you know, lionized and deified. And um I, I think that's that's quite interesting. There there is a very interesting discussion to have about the place of Batman as a character and how he's basically um, an extrajudicial arm of the Gotham PD. Um, yeah, we'll have that conversation another day. But, <laughs> but there's, there's something very complex, very contradictory, very controversial in there and quite a serious conversation too. All right, so let's move on to our next topic. Uh, we'll keep our eye on... Matt Reeves, Gotham Central. Um, but first things first, obviously the Batman has to come out. And uh, first things first, the pandemic has to be over, yeah, which no, it looks like no. it never will be. Um, That's so, my fault down here in America. <laughs> so, yeah, blame me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep our eye on things and we'll continue to discuss and look forward, hopefully. So our next topic is that Netflix released, finally, their top 10 most watched original films ever and you know these this has been like a kind of closely guarded secret usually they'll just put out a kind of generic headline about how something broke records or is there most watched ever or something but they never gave specifics until now so we're going to take a look at the top 10 and we're going to discuss um we're going to analyze it and 
react to it. So before we get into it, we need to talk about their methodology. So the methodology is, is quite interesting. Um, it's basically if somebody watches two, two, at least two continuous minutes of it, it counts as a view and they collate all those views for the first four weeks and that gives them a figure. And they say that they use that measure because it indicates that it's what people choose to watch and did watch and it's long enough to indicate the choice was intentional. Um, so here's the list very quickly. We have uh, extractions, number one, at 99 million views. Number two is Bird Box at 89 million views. Number three, Spencer Confidential at 85 million views. Number six is Six Underground at 83 million views. Murder Mystery at 83 million views. Number six is The Old Guard, which is which is projected to have 72 million views. Hmm. Number seven is The Irishman at 64 million views. Number eight is Triple Frontier at 63 million views. Number nine is The Wrong Missy. At 59 million views. Number 10 is the platform at 56 million views. So, guys, what do you think of Netflix's top 10 original films? Netflix is a monster, a juggernaut. It's like there is no competition with the other streaming services. Netflix is in a class of its own. What does this top 10 tell you about Netflix and about streaming wars and about you know audiences? Let's start with Christian. Netflix is an interesting beast, man. I mean, their evolution is cool, too, from being, you know, the DVD house. And then they were kind of like the place where you went for some legacy TV and all those old TV shows and stuff. And, and now now they've moved into a place that cranks out original content. And I've watched from beginning to end six of the ten on the list. And I, when I looked at the list, I was shocked and said, my God, I've, I've watched these. And overall, I've liked them. I, I can't say like extraction. I didn't think was fantastic, but it also wasn't bad. I'm not going to go through each and every one of these. So I'll bore the crap out of you and take up all the time. But the point is, is overall, I liked the stuff that was on this top 10. There's a few that I still have to watch. And when you look at it from that perspective, I've seen on social media and some of my friends in real life, quote unquote, you know, not on social media, talk about the Netflix original shows like the haunting of Hill house and stuff talking about how good these programs are and talking about how they're surprised that they feel like they're watching a movie, not a TV movie. Now, Lupe and I talked a little bit about the old guard. I did finally get a chance to watch it. That did feel like I was watching a bit of a TV movie. I think they have a little ways to go before they kind of quite reach what would be, you can't really get a cinematic experience if you're not sitting in a cinema, but to kind of get to that level. But it's pretty amazing to me that they're able to get really good talent, you know, like Six Underground is Michael. It's like the bayest of Bay. You know, people scream mm -hmm. Bayhem, right? Bayhem, baby. It's the bayest of Bay movies. Um, so they're letting people create stuff and be who they are, not necessarily jumping in front of them and saying, well, we have a studio and we have duh, 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 and they have to hit A, B, C, D. They just do what they need to do. Getting Charlize Theron and stuff like that to do. You got Jennifer Aniston and friggin Adam Sandler doing a movie together. A-list talent, high-level mm -hmm. directors like Scorsese. Dude, mm -hmm. they're doing something right. Mm -hmm. People are now mm -hmm. saying that they're looking forward to Netflix's original stuff, not the shit that they watched 10 years ago, the stuff mm -hmm. that's coming out. So mm -hmm. I probably already talked too much and I apologize. But, yeah, they're definitely doing something right. And they are hands down, even with Disney, HBO Max and all the rest, they are absolutely the force to be reckoned with right now because people 
when they think streaming, they still think Netflix. Netflix and mm. chill is still a term, you know. Mm-hmm. So like it's yeah. So I still think they're the eight hundred pound gorilla. Absolutely, um, Paul. What do you think? Well, I, I've seen exactly one and a half of these movies, and maybe not even that much. Maybe <laughs> one and a quarter. But I am an and I am a Netflix subscriber. So the the quarter movie was Six Underground. I do actually want to go back and finish that. I just never got around to it. Um, the one I saw was uh, Bird Box, and then um, and you know, there's two or three more I'd like to see. I'd like to see Extraction, um, and uh, what was the platform I think. But some of this stuff surprises me. Like I've never even heard of Spencer Confidential, and I have enough. <laughs> I have Netflix murder mystery. I've never heard of it. My, my wife would probably actually enjoy that. Um, the Irishman I've heard of, I just, we just talked about my, uh, you know, my sort of disdain for the subject matter. I'm just tired of it. So even though I'm (laughs) sure it's great, I'm not going to sit there for three hours plus and watch something on that subject matter, even though I'd probably like it if I gave it a chance, I'm just not going to triple frontier. I want to see, haven't seen it yet. Uh, the wrong Missy. I think I was generally aware of it and forgot about it like five minutes after I heard about it. Um, perfect date, never heard of. So I'm I'm surprised with some of what's on here. I'm also surprised by some of what's not on here, like um, David Ayer's Bright. I assume that with Will Smith, that that got a lot of um, yeah, yeah got a lot of views. It's not here. Um, and that one, you know, I, I know we've talked uh, you know briefly before about Netflix lack of marketing. Um, that's one that I actually did see a fair bit of marketing for. It was Bright. And the other one that uh, really surprised me was Next Gen, and that one I definitely saw marketing. Um, you Next know, in malls, Next Gen. It's an animated movie, uh, and I saw it, like digital billboards for it. It was marketed everywhere in Toronto. Um, you know, it was there's quite a bit of digital signage um, in in yeah. one of our uh, one of our uh, well the largest mall uh, in the city, and um, you know, which is right near my work, so I'm, I'm aware of it. it um, and too. Yeah, and it it was uh, it was pushed pretty hard, and I'm surprised not to see it there because it was decent. Um, you know, and then there's been a few other Netflix movies I've watched over the years that I would have thought might have scratched the top ten, but um, I'm surprised. Now, what it also made me realize is that I watch Netflix more for the series than I do for the movies. So mm. I think the movies, especially the budgets that they're putting into these movies, is maybe a little more recent. Like some of the stuff, like Six Underground and Extraction, which are near the top. Are recent, right? Um, I don't know about the Adam Sandler stuff. I know he's had a contract with them, and I never understood why he was getting so much money. Now it makes a little bit more <laughs> sense. Um, but you know, for me, Netflix is more about high-quality series, um, and with the occasional surprise movie. And you know, I'll definitely be, um, you know, streaming Army of the Dead the the, the day it comes out. Uh, you know, the moment it comes out, I'm, I'm going to be waiting for it. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and you know, I was actually just skimming through my uh, through my watch list in the next list originals, and there was another one, you know, a bunch of them actually that I just totally forgot about. Like I put them on my watch list, and then they get buried so deep in my watch list I forget they exist. Like there's one called Polar. I don't know if you guys ever watched it. Hmm. I remember being pretty excited about watching that. Totally forgot it even existed until literally like five minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, you know, the old guard sort of falls in that category. I was sort of moderately excited about seeing that one. I put it on my watch list, saying I'll get to it when I get to it, and I don't know. Will I get to it? Probably I'll forget about it by the time it, by the time I get around to it, right? So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. But I, I would I would be um, like the numbers are interesting, but also they're not. Uh, I'm not sure how much they say because uh, if you watch two minutes of a movie, uh, it, it's counting as a view, right? I guess they're saying mm-hmm. they're they're saying that that's enough to show that it wasn't accidental. Um, but I mean, you can. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've watched three, four minutes of a movie and said, "Nah, I mean, I don't feel like this tonight," and mm-hmm. flipped it off and never gone back. So, should that count as a view? I don't know. Um, 
it's, it's debatable. And uh, yeah, so it, it would also be nice for context to know how some of the more popular series perform in terms of views in relation to um, you know, some of these numbers that we see here, right? So mm. um, anyway, interesting though, because they don't give out a lot of information. So it's nice to see this and gives you a little bit of a, an idea of, of how many people are watching these things. But again, um, it's, it's an incomplete picture. I don't know, Lupe, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I'm, I agree with you guys generally. I, I think um, what really strikes me here is that in comparison to the other streaming services, um, obviously the amount of the content that they put out is just is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And in terms of original movies, nobody's coming close to them. Nobody. I mean, Amazon tries bit by bit, but it's not. But for them, it's um, it's there's a lot. They have put out a lot, and it seems like a lot has been working for them. Um, obviously, we still have issues with their quality. It's not as cinematic as it can be. For example, um, Greyhound just just came out. Um, and that one went straight to straight to streaming, and that's a very very cinematic, like high yeah. quality. That movie. one I did watch, uh, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry to you interrupt know, you. I just had to throw that. No, in no, there. no, you're you're fine. But Netflix, apart from maybe like The Irishman, and, and maybe Triple Frontier a little bit, Extraction tries a bit. Everything else just has that straight to DVD kind of low budget feel to it. Although they do higher um top tier talent so they have a formula that works for them i just i i wish that they could just you know do a bit better in just giving uh their movies a more more cinematic um top tier presentation um looking at the the movies on the list um just seeing like a lot of star power and and um segueing into into some they're continuing that they're a couple films have just been announced um the russos who are the producers of extraction which is their biggest movie ever um are going to be directing writing and directing uh a movie based on a spy novel called the gray man and it's going to start two big um actors ryan gosling and chris evans and it's their biggest movie ever budgeted at 200 million um i do not know where that money is going maybe it's going to pay for the stars because those are two big stars um and then sam ismail who directed uh the cult classic mr robot series um he's he's just been announced to direct uh a a netflix original called leave the world behind um and that's going to star Denzel Washington and Julie Roberts. That one is rumored to be at about 120 million. Those are two massive stars. So the formula that they have going is they're not stopping anytime soon. Basically, it's like in terms of the streaming wars, there's Netflix, then there's everyone else. Like the gap between Netflix and number two is infinite and much wider between you know, the rest who are clustered and then trying. And then I think Quibi is probably, you know, way at the bottom. And the gap between Quibi and the next above it is is a huge uh, chasm. Uh, guys, before we move on, what, what do you guys think of 
the movies that have just been announced because that's a bit of breaking news. Um, the Russos, uh, the Gray Men, and Ismail's leave the world behind. Well, if they, I guess if they do it right, I hate to say that because that, you know what the hell does that mean, quote unquote, doing it right? But you know the the concepts on both are really interesting. Now, there's that narrative. Again, we're so tribal with fandom and everything. So a lot of people will hear the Russo brothers attached to it. And if they're huge MCU fanboys, they're going to flock to it and say, well, this movie's going to be great. And if they hate the MCU, they're going to say, I don't want to watch anything with that shit, whatever. However, I liked what they said in their interview. They said they were going for something that was a little more Winter Soldier-esque in that territory with a more real world setting. And they said they wanted it to be a franchise starter. That's interesting. You don't toss $200 million at two guys to do something like that if you don't believe in them mm. and two good stars two good guys to head it up i mean you got to look at that and say that's probably going to be a good i mean it's not going to suck right it's going to be mm-hmm. good um mm-hmm. the other one now i don't know about you guys i really liked the pelican brief so mm-hmm. denzel washington and julia roberts together i thought you know they cut out a lot from the novel but it was still a good movie and mm-hmm. watching the two of them reunite that right there perks my – I mean I'm perked right there just because of watching the two of them reunite. But if you read the breakdown of that novel and the little synopsis, you're kind of looking at a mixture of post-apocalyptic with some of the racial issues that get out bought, and you bring that kind of stuff together. I think right now audiences are really open to that. I really do think they're open to that kind of stuff. So right there, you know, you're looking at two coming soons that you probably are going to get a decent amount of people interested in. So – you know, Lupe, you said it before. How are these movies going to be made? Are they going to make? Are they going to look like direct-to-DVD flicks, or are they going to look like prestige movies? I, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, um, Paul, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm probably more interested in the Julia Roberts Denzel Washington one. I mean, even though the book hasn't come out, um, you know, obviously not real familiar with what it's about but i mean there's enough of a synopsis here that i think i might enjoy it and i i'd like i mean i like both of these actors uh so seeing them together will be uh interesting to me certainly enough to get me to watch and it's something i can watch with my wife almost certainly and um you know the fact that it's from the uh the mr robot creator who also did homecoming which is actually a show that lupe you recommended to me and uh, my wife and i both love that series at least season one we haven't uh, really got into season two yet but um that's enough to make me pretty excited about the prospects for that one. Um, and then the other one, uh, the, the gray man, um, I've been told that the books are quite good. I've not read them. Um, I'm interested in Ryan Gosling and, and maybe to a lesser extent, Chris Evans. I think they're, uh, they're decent actors. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Russos, at least from what I've seen. Uh, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm not a big, well, I'm not a big fan. I'm just, they don't, they don't do anything special for me, right? Like they're just, they just seem like another pair of generic directors to me. Um, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll surprise me. But like Christian said, I like the idea that they're, um, you know, if you're going to pick a tone of any MCU movie, going for the more Winter Soldier tone uh, and more of a real world setting, um, that's good news, I guess. Um, the mm-hmm. fact that it's going to be kind of like a James Bond kind of thing, um, sure, I'll watch that. I mean, it's it's not my favorite thing, but it's it's something that I I, I like enough to to give it a chance. So between the the budget, the cast, you know, the scale that at least the scale that I expect would come with a budget and the production value that I expect would come with that budget. Um, I would think that um, it should be at least worth giving a chance to. Right. And then we'll, we'll see from there. Yeah. Um, personally, um, both projects sound, sound exciting. 
uh, equally exciting for different reasons. Obviously, uh, Homecoming, I always tell people, is the best series I've ever seen. Um, and I, I, I don't mean the singular best. There are a couple that I feel are, you know, perfect and are amongst the best in there. So if you haven't seen Homecoming season one, trust me, it's it's something else. Uh, Julia Roberts, she doesn't take a lot of acting jobs. She's very picky these days because she has such a storied, um, iconic career. So whenever she's attached to do anything, I have full confidence in it. Denzel Washington is one of the great uh, actors of our time. And then um, Sam Ismail, he's an auteur. He has his own sort of like unique style, unique flavor. Um, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be stunning. It's going to be well edited. That's going to be a good movie regardless of what happens. Yeah. So like like book that. Um, <laughs> Russo's project, it sounds very exciting. I love spy, uh, spy, the spy thriller genre. Um, I wish they hadn't said The Winter Soldier, to be honest, although The Winter Soldier is actually my favorite Marvel movie, because I, I want something that's more, you know, grounded, something that's more gritty, something that's more real. So I hope that it's not like, uh, sort of like, um, explosive kind of spy movie um i don't know with the two actors they have i just feel like they could do a lot more in terms of like acting and you know more dramatic but i haven't read the gray man series of novels so i don't know what the tone should be like what the world is like um is it going to be like tinker uh tinker taylor soldier spy or is it going to be like mission impossible mm-hmm. um so uh, I would be more excited if it was like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy um, than if it was like, you know, Mission Impossible. Um, maybe they can strike a balance and kind of give us something that's like the first Bourne movie. Um, it's kind of gritty, but still action packed. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, the thing is just it just I'm just blown away by how the, the, the decisions Netflix is making, how much money. They're putting into all these things. I mean, don't forget, we also have Red Notice, which is coming from Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot. Um, obviously, we're all looking forward to Army of the Dead. So Netflix is here to stay. Like, whoever is out there like, oh, we're trying to compete with Netflix, just don't do it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Please. Um, for your own safety and sanity. <laughs> don't. Stay in your lane. Um, succeed <laughs> at what you do. But Netflix, Netflix is up, 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 and away out of here. And just in terms of, like, business, it's just, this is one of those things in business. It's called the advantage of the first mover. It's it's just a, like when people are the first to get to market, they just get entrenched in there. And there are a lot of advantages that come with that. And Netflix is reaping those benefits even up to, you know, being that they're in households, they're able to get astronomical credit lines to continue to to push the issue and continue to you know grow the lead on their competitors so um if you're thinking of a business idea and you're like oh, i want to wait till it's perfect just do it just get to the market first even if you're not perfect and then you know um go from there yeah i mean so, like netflix uh, is like synonymous with streaming with absolutely yeah yeah absolutely synonymous like remember like copying like xerox and kodak those are brand names not the actual name but 
They're Netflix and chill. Things. Like, where was it? <laughs> like, nobody's saying Disney Plus and chill or Amazon right. and chill right. or you know, where was it? Netflix and chill. Like, you know what it means. So when when you start to to have generic terms and phrases, you know, uh, attached to your brand, you know, like you're basically you like it. a lifer. Well, the, the nice thing about Netflix is to piggyback on that is that when you have a huge subscriber base already, all all you have to do to market your movie is send an email to your existing subscriber base, right? Exactly. Whereas, whereas smaller services it. don't have your email address because you're not subscribed. With yeah. Netflix, they know what you like. They know you're watching history. If they think it's anywhere near appropriate for you, you're getting an email saying, hey, look what's coming out. And then you'll get a reminder when it comes out and you'll get notifications on your apps and and uh yeah, if it's the kind of thing that interests you, you're gonna you're gonna know about it, and they've already got that subscriber base built in, so mm-hmm. it uh, makes and it easier to market these things. You watch it for two minutes and two minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so let's pivot from one streamer to another, from Netflix to HBO Max, which secured the exclusive rights to the Snyder Cut, the mythical, dare I say, legendary iconic Snyder cut even before we've we've seen uh the the film come out um and Grace Randolph uh a YouTuber secured uh, an interview with the director Zack Snyder where she got to ask him uh, a bunch of questions about it it's about a 20 plus minute interview um and so we'll we'll analyze. But before we do, let's uh, take a, a moment to acknowledge and shout out um, the the movement for the air cut. As of this recording, I think they must be over eighty eight thousand tweets and mentions um, on Twitter. They're having an event. It was um, in the they, high nineties just uh, a little while ago, Lupe. I'm wondering if they've even hit a hundred. It's going to be real close by now. And that was that was the goal for today. Was a hundred k. They're shooting for 100k, so it seems like they're they're going to hit their target or close enough to it to be a success. And David Ayer also released a black and white image in Snyder fashion and a page of his original script. So um, yeah, we're just you know sending them our support. You know, release the Ayer cut. We're all here for um, directors' visions, and we're here for we 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 are here for the artists. That's what this podcast and this plat- platform is all about. We're not here for studios or for executives or for money people. That's we're here for the arts and we're here for, for, for the artists. So the air cut is in line with that and, um, you know, more power to them. So let's um, dive into this um, interview. So uh, we'll, we'll pick a couple things we think are in- interesting, then um, we can go off on individual tangents. So I, I think one of the most interesting things that, um, she asked him about was, you know, what's his mandate for for the Snyder Cut? What's he hoping to accomplish with the finished product? And uh, Zach replied that, you know, it's about the fans. Like, that's who he wants to please. Obviously, he lauded Warner Brothers for allowing that to be the case. Um, so what do you guys think about that statement? Um, what's your reaction to it? Uh, let's start with Paul. I think that's a little bit to be expected. I mean, this has been quite a, quite a journey and he's mentioned that in the past that, uh, um, you know, he's, he's really thankful for the fans. And if it weren't for the, the, the persistence and dedication of the fans and, and the, the love that the fans had for these films, 
um, we wouldn't be here today uh, looking forward to to the Snyder Cut on HBO Max. So, um, so I, I mean, it's nice to hear him say that. Um, it's, you know, it's not the first time he's acknowledged the fans, but um, yeah, I mean, that, that's what's brought us here. Incredible fan demand to see something that uh, a lot of us loved and got uh, taken away in a... Um, you know, in in a, in a historically bad way. I mean, it's it's not the first time movies have been meddled with, but this uh, this has got to be near the um, the pinnacle of of awful meddling and uh, and derailing of a popular franchise midstream. So, um, it's just great to see that that we're here, we're back on track. He's acknowledged the fans. Um, you know, and, and there's plenty more to talk about, but I mean, I know he used this as an opportunity to bring up uh, uh, SnyderCon, uh, or sorry, not SnyderCon, uh, JusticeCon, uh, that's coming up uh, this weekend, actually. Schedule's out now. I believe he himself is um, is speaking on the Saturday night, so, um, you know, I think he's he's trying to, to plug that a little bit and let people know that this is happening, and, and getting it out on Grace's platform uh, is, is going to help with that, so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to watching that, seeing what he has to say, and uh, it's just going to be another opportunity to... Um, you know, to to give back to the fans and um, and I guess to uh, help build excitement for this film. What what did you guys uh, have to say about that? Well, I think, and I don't have a ton to add, but I think that whether you like Zach or not, or whether you like his movies or not, you know, one of the things that every time you watch him in an interview, or every time you you listen to him speak, or you read something he's written, he's very in touch with the fans, and I think he's very aware of what you guys did as a movement very aware he's hyper aware of it almost and um he knows deep down inside that doesn't happen without the movement um and what you know the stuff that he that's happening now doesn't happen without the movement's participation and it has always struck me how touched he feels by that again you you could dislike him all you want but it seems very genuine every single time you hear one of his statements or you see one of these interviews and I believe it when I saw it this time too I don't think it's all for the fans it is personal for him definitely but you kind of got to say it's for you guys it's for the fans he did the right thing but it is extremely personal for him but then again the fandom is personal for him too so you know kudos to him again I don't have a ton to add so that's where I'll end it but uh it's it's touching to hear him talk like that especially knowing what his family suffered and what was taken away from him and the stuff that I've had to deal with personally when it comes to mental health. So, Hey man, you know, kudos to the guy. You can see it's definitely touching him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, this was this, there's so many ways to look at it. First of all, obviously it makes me very happy as a fan. Um, but also it's just, it's kind of mind blowing how perfect all these elements, you know, came together, how perfectly they came together in this moment, in this space and time to make this happen in this particular way. It couldn't be a more perfect project. And maybe, you know, Zach and us as fans, you know, had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and and walk over red hot coals and swim through molten magma to come out on the other side uh, with this sort of resounding, almost utopic situation, because a lot of times, the first thing is that talking about it being for the fans. One thing that Zach said that people need to remember is that DCEU fans aren't people who necessarily like fan service. That's not what this audience is about. 
Um, as a matter of fact, you hear a lot of DCEU fans dislike a lot of superhero movies that do fan service. Um, but what DCEU fans have always wanted was Zack Snyder's vision. So you have this perfect symbiosis between fans who want a director's unbridled, untarnished vision and a director who likes to make his films in that way, not movies by committee, not movies pandering to the marketing uh, department, movies pandering to the accounting department and movies pandering to, you know, fandom. He wants, you know, his authentic vision. Then also, we have to consider the fact that on a streaming platform, it's right now in this space and time, that's the place where you get the most creativity from creators, where they do not have huge um, restrictions and prohibitions on what they can do and where they can go. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a perfect, you know, confluence of events that have made this, this come about. Um, and it's interesting to see that if the movie had come out in theaters, it would have had to be cut down for runtime. They would have had to try to pander to, you know, a broad, wide audience or whatever that is. But this film now is being made for Snyder Cut fans. Like, they're not necessarily making this movie to bring in people who don't know about it. Like, this is, like, for the fans. So it's, like, it's mind-blowing. Like, no other, like, no matter what anyone says, no other superhero franchise, let me, at least, let me localize it there and not speak too generally. No other superhero franchise can boast having that luxury. Um, for example, even Batman v Superman, Zack said he made that with as little compromise as possible, but still he had to cut it down for runtime. And that, you know, was a huge stumbling block right out the gates. So we're having a, a situation where um, it's just basically it's it's going to be the most Snydery DC thing that has ever existed and will ever exist in on this side of reality. So I, I thought that that was just that is just mind blowing when you actually sit down and think of all the all the elements of it. So another thing that was really interesting was she asked him about uh, the timeline of the movies and you know the timeline of the other DCEU films and the DCEU in general. And he definitively said that this film is not a part of the DCEU. And um, I'll start with, with a commentary on it. And a lot of people might have missed it because one thing I love about Zach and one thing that one reason why he's in the position where he is now is he has never said a bad thing about the studio about executives he's always polite always very gracious and he said something to the effect of the people who the committee <laughs> basically the boardroom of, of villains of the committee of villains that came together to make the justice league that appeared in theaters basically butcher his vision you know edge him out the door and make that just, they're the same decision makers 
who sprouted off this DCEU that you're seeing right now. Like a lot of these things were greenlit by people like Jeff Johns. Um, they came to decisions on where things should go. So this film is not, I mean, those people, some of them have been, you know, fired and, you know, and this, this, and over there, they're still going along with, you know, the plan. Walter Armada is doing his thing, whatever. But this is apart from that. And, and that's, that's amazing because this is going to represent the original DCEU that we were promised. The original vision of something just different and something, you know, edgy and bold and audacious and daring and, and something that was quite niche, uh, has niche appeal. Uh, you're getting quality rather than quantity. I think that that's an absolute beautiful thing. And I think it also, you know, sort of cements what a lot of people have been saying, a lot of people who haven't who haven't been huge fans of the direction that the DCEU has gone in. Now, there's some people who have tried to say that, oh, it's the same way it's always meant to be. And a lot of people have said, this is not that DCEU. So he kind of not directly said it, but by him saying that this is not part of that and that, you know, they're doing their own thing from the jumping off point of the horrible Justice League. Um, I thought that was quite eye-opening. Um, Paul, what do you what do you think about his statements on on this yeah well to me to me this was the most interesting part of the interview was the um was the talk about the dc continuity and uh, i wrote down one of his quotes here so I'll, so I'll just read it to you if you guys will bear with me for a minute there's there's two parts to this um the second part touches more on what you were just speaking of but he started out by saying uh for me where the movie falls i believe that it really starts to represent its own path it's kind of separate now from what I would say is the DC Cinematic Universe continuity. I think it's divergent in that way, and I think that's a good thing. I think the power of DC and one of its cool strengths is the multiverse concept, where they put filmmakers first and say, we want to hear your individual voices. Take these characters and do a run and show us what you would do in sort of the great tradition of comic book writing and runs that have been done with all these amazing characters. What, and then he went on to say, you know, what what you'll see in Justice League and Batman v Superman and Man of Steel is that there's continuity across those three movies. That's my main focus is to satisfy that narrative structure. Um, so that's the first part, and and I think that sort of touches on what you were saying about how it, it's not part of the ongoing DCU continuity, but it is directly tied into Man of Steel and BVS, and that's what we've been fighting for, right? Is we wanted to see the continuation mm. of that story that so many of us mm -hmm. loved. And, um, you know, he reiterated a number of times in this interview that the biggest challenge he has is to stay true to to that vision, to stay true to those films, to stay true to himself. And like you said previously, to make it the most Snydery movie mm -hmm. it can be, because that's that's what got us here is fans mm -hmm. that were hungry for the rest of that vision. And so his biggest challenge is to keep that vision, to make it as as as. Um, I guess pure and true as it can be, and that touched on a point he actually made earlier in the film, which you know we've talked about in previous weeks and others have as well. But he confirmed that the film's runtime is more than the 214 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's still not locked down, um, and he says he's he's not ready to say what it's going to be because he's still working on it and he doesn't want to be held to a you know held to a time and have people ask you know what about these two minutes or or whatnot. So that's still in flux, but it's definitely going to be more than the 214. Um, and you know, as, as you say that, that idea that these three movies, that's his story that he's telling and that's his focus. Um, that's reassuring to those of us that, that really cherish those first two movies. Um, then he went on and this was sort of the nail in the coffin of the whole 
DCU continuity argument because I know in the fandom, you know, they've had a a segment that really wanted to believe that these these ongoing movies are are part of Snyder's universe. And and I guess you know it's a matter of semantics. You can argue that they're part of the universe that he helped seed, but they're really not part of the universe that he intended. And he goes on to say that I think to look at it as really sharp continuity would be a mistake. Those movies now, in a lot of ways, the theatrical version of Justice League is tighter in continuity with what they're doing now with the DCU. Yeah. Because, because frankly, that's a movie where they were in charge of the elements. It's going to be divergent in some ways just by its nature, and that's a good thing because more is more. And um, so that's a polite way of, you know, I guess sort of ending that, the... That is one of the most... That cuts deep for... Yeah. I mean, he hasn't seen Justice League but for him to say that the the theatrical justice league is more is tighter and tighter in continuity with what they're doing now is, yeah. is one of the worst things you can probably say to a DC fan. Basically. Well, well, and I've always and and you know I don't have any proof of this, but I've always felt that they wouldn't have butchered Justice League the way they did without having James Wan and Patty Jenkins on board. Oh, absolutely, and absolutely. they had to be on board with that. And yeah. I think Snyder basically just said that that um, you know that. Justice League is, is in tighter continuity with their movies going forward uh, because they were in charge of the elements that went into the theatrical cut of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's right there. I mean, I know people find ways to spin it and say, no, look, he's a producer on Wonder Woman 84. He's excited about it. And I'm sure that's true. I'm sure he is excited about it. He is a producer on Wonder Woman 84. And it's okay that, uh, you know, that he is excited about that. It's okay to like that movie or be interested in it. And, he, you know, he went on today to say how excited he is about uh, Matt Reeves' Batman. But to think that Juan and Jenkins weren't involved in you know, God, I, I almost I want to call it a borderline mutiny. I mean, it's naive, right? I mean, they how how active they were, whether they objected, who knows? But I mean, they played ball, right? At very mm-hmm. least, they played ball, and yeah. their movies are in line with the theatrical Justice League, not. I mean, if, cut. yeah, if you if you watch the theatrical Justice League, I mean, you can you can see it. You can, for example, like Aquaman's story, you can you can tell that things in Aquaman are are edited to suit more of what was going on with the movie like you can even see in the aquaman movie the the costume design is completely different like we've seen pictures of zack snyder's volco it's completely different from what uh the movie um atlantean garb is as well as mera mera is a completely different person um from what you get in one's Aquaman. And the movie kind of changes that a little bit to to reflect that in terms of, you know, where he gets his costume and that kind of thing and what's what's going on with that. Um, so that, that was, you know, Jeff Johns, you know, and his vision for, you know, he wanted to have the vision for, you know, the, the DCE when he flew too close to the sun. And... Um, and, and to that point, and I'm not trying to create division here, but I mean, Patty Jenkins still goes out of her way to praise Jeff Johns and, and talk about his involvement oh, yeah. in the Amazons. And so she's, I think she's firmly entrenched in, on Team Johns. And, and Snyder yeah, obviously. It's, it's, it's the elephant. Yeah, and he's, Snyder's obviously at least not publicly holding any ill will. He's, um, you know, still seems excited about her movie. He's supporting her movie. He speaks highly of her. I've not heard her do the same of him, and that's really disappointing. I would love for her to just come out and congratulate him on getting his cut released. You know, uh, just say something positive because he's doing that for her. And um, ah, it's just disappointing. Right. And and yeah. Juan, well, I mean, I, I've never trusted him ever since he threw Snyder under the bus with that air bubble right on like opening um, weekend. Yep. 
she she's so. not going to be able to to avoid it when her movie comes when her movie when she you know gets on press tour for her movie she will be asked about the Snyder cut so I mean she's a politician she does a lot of double speak and I, I'm interested to see how she's how she's gonna you know spin this one um so uh, Christian you get the final word on the continuity or lack thereof of the DCEU <laughs> and um, feel free to throw your 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 popular phrase. I guess I'll, I'll keep that one to myself for now, but uh, it, it's it should be no surprise that you know when when they decided to start doing whatever they did and went in the direction that they went into, they had even said at the time like oh well you know we're gonna make these movies that are singular movies Aquaman's gonna be about Aquaman Wonder Woman two is gonna be about Wonder Woman whatever I mean they're connected but they're kind of not connected like that was basically what they said um, so it. It seems to me that starting with Justice League, even if you didn't know the background of everything, it just seemed like everything was kind of, you know, and, and gone off. In a, I mean, even in, in Aquaman, they make a mention of Steppenwolf, but Jesus, it's just like a passing bullshit. It, it nothing, nothing really seems like it's connected to what was happening, even in Joss Whedon's Justice League. So it, it, you could tell that things were going in their own separate direction. I give I'm not as passionate about the background as you guys are. I'll just be honest. I'm really not. And I appreciate where you guys are coming from. And, you know, all the ins and outs and, you know, who screwed who and who did that. I just look at it as Zach himself got screwed at a time when he really it's the worst possible time for it to happen. The worst possible time. It's never a good time for it to happen. That was a really horrible time for it to happen. Um, Disgusting in my mind, especially considering how I feel. Um, in my own fight against suicide and everything. No, 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 no. That, that I really have serious issues with that. And it looks like from everything that we've seen that it wasn't just a, we're going to take a new, another direction here. We are legitimately going to blow up what this person created because of whatever their reason was, you know, whatever. And it doesn't matter anymore what the reason was. We, we've talked about the reasons how many times on this podcast, whatever the reasons were, they decided it was a, a, unilateral it was just a decision across the board to say fuck this guy's legacy and we're going to go on and do something mm-hmm. else what's cool about all this is two things zach whether he does deep down inside doesn't matter does not believe it doesn't seem to me like he's holding all these grudges he's my daughter's dead you know there's more there's bigger fish to fry here i'm getting to complete my story that i wanted to complete and i get to do it that is fantastic. I can do it the way I feel like I want to do it. Like I can tell a complete story here and all this other crap can still exist. It can still exist. And I'll be one of those guys to tell you like Shazam. I didn't think was garbage. I liked it. I liked Shazam. I'm looking forward to wonder woman 84. Wasn't a huge fan of Aquaman. It's okay. You know, and I, and, and I don't love BVS the way you guys do as much as I like it. I think it's a good movie. Thought man of steel was a better one. So we're all going to kind of be all over the place on these movies, right? Like, you know, we're, we're going to love one. We're not going to love the other, but it is, I don't like, this wasn't like a huge surprise to me when he said that, like, it was almost, it's like, guys, like we should have seen that this is, it was, it was so clear, even to people that didn't know the background, that this is a separate continuity. It is not, it doesn't work. What they're trying to do now does not work with man of steel and BVS hands down. Doesn't work. It, it, all the comments that were coming from guys like Juan, just, I'm sorry. It's different. And it's it's just good at this point, moving from a legacy where they were really trying to destroy something, he can finish it. But the final note on that for me is 
they can still do what they want. They can still have their cake and eat it too. If they want to try to do something in the DCEU and have a, a small detective movie with Batman, whether we agree with that or not, and they want to go bigger with some of their other franchises like W, like Wonder Woman 84 and go a little bigger with her and make it very 80s, they can do that and mm-hmm. Snyder can still have a universe over here. And they can coexist, which from a comic standpoint is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. Um I like the fact that it seems like he's put closure on it. There's a little bit of a fuck yeah at the end of it, you know, where he can be like, hey, man, I got the last word. That's wonderful. I think we can pat him on the back for that. But it's got to be for the guy. There's got to be catharsis there. Right. Am I wrong? I mean, it's got to be some kind of. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But I I mean, I was about he's he's not going to gloat about it. Like you can. Right. See he's he, not. Yeah. He made, like, yeah. He's thanking Warner Brothers and, you know, like, and it's, 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 it should be a lesson to people. Like he played the PR game so well. Basically what Zack Snyder did was he remained the most gracious, nicest, kindest person that everyone can root for. No one can say a bad thing about Then He let us be his warriors. We were the ones that were out there saying the bad things and, pushing the agenda and being more aggressive because in every campaign you need warriors in every campaign you need priests and so you know um it it should be it should be a lesson to people uh if you're going through anything like this and in the court of public opinion or whatever let your let your supporters fight the battles for you and you just you know remain good um it's it's something that I've I've observed very 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 keenly. I, I think just to, to wrap to put a button just on, on this point, um, you know, every single time like I have these marathons where I watch Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, um, two of you know my favorite movies of all time, um, and for years I was stuck with, you know, the dirt on the coffin rising from Superman's grave at the end of my superman saga like i just in my mind i just had to come to terms with like this is the end it was inconclusive but hey you know it's the end whatever you know it's kind of like if you have a story of jesus and then like the you know i guess there's a cave and there's a rock or whatever (laughs) whatever but um it's good to know that we are going to get closure on on that like it's not just like oh the DCU you still continue you're gonna have Wonder Woman you're gonna have Aquaman you're gonna know the actual like Zack Snyder story is gonna continue and also in terms of like what you said in terms of things not working Zack had a plan and his plan was cohesive and whether you liked it or not it was working you might not have liked it but it was working Suicide Squad a movie that we find it was butchered was in line with his continuity it was it was you know it had you know. It, it, it was they got those metahumans and we're going to use them as a result of like Superman and Batman was, you know, out there like looking for metahumans and dabbling in all of that. Wonder Woman also ties into Batman v Superman with the daguerreotype picture and, um, you know, her her identity. And, you know, so it was cohesive. People were still doing their own thing, but it was cohesive and Justice League just threw a bomb in the DCU and completely deflated every bit of excitement for the entire universe. Um, and Zach now going off to HBO Max and doing his own thing 
it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely divine thing. Um, so the next top th- uh, thing that that struck us was um, at Justice Con, he officially said there's going to be a clip and an announcement. That got me super hyped. Um, I was expecting a trailer. It seems like there won't be a trailer. I think the trailer is going to come out at uh, DC Fandom. So DC fans, we are eating good. We are feasting, DC fans, especially Snyder fans. And um, so for Justice Con, we're going to get a clip and announcement. Uh, I want you guys to speculate on what you think the clip is and what you think the announcement is going to be. Are you excited to see this? Do you think it's overexposure or... You know what? What's your instant reaction to to this? Um, let's start with Christian, who's the most excited and <laughs> of all of us. They, he probably should. I mean, we we talked a little bit about that trailer that we saw last time. I was I was underwhelmed. I, I said it in the recording. I thought I was underwhelmed with the trailer. I was excited about a couple things in it, but it was like, really, I've seen all this shit before. So, okay. You know, I mean, it's cool. We're in the times of COVID. You can't really, it's hard to get everything done right now. And I know he's balls deep in it, but, you know, it it was tough to get anything out. So speculation for me would be, yeah, maybe there would be some sort of a trailer that looks a little bit better. Give us a better look at some of the VFX in there. Do you think he's going to sneak in? Do you think he's going to sneak in like some sign of, some kind of actor announcement, you know, which would be interesting as well, saying, you know, like I got this person or whatever. Mm. Um, that that might be funny if he's going to sneak in an actor announcement, which you know would blow up the Snyder fan base. So <laughs> they would probably yeah, blow would, the internet up. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there that that's a possibility. But uh, hey, he talked a lot about in this interview, like you guys said about the fans, and you know, Justice Con is a fan thing. It, it, it would be a big thank you to reveal something like that or to announce a person who's going to be in it in a fan run event. Be a huge thank you. So just just a little thought out there. All right. All right. Um, Paul, what's your take? Yeah, uh, well, I'm not exactly sure what to expect in terms of the clip or announcement. Uh, I mean, I know what I'd like to see. Um, what would you like to see? Yeah, well, I'd like to see something different, something new. Um, I don't want him to – I don't want necessarily – I'm conflicted on whether I want a clean look at Darkseid. I don't think I do. Until we actually see it, I don't know that I want a clean look at what his Darkseid is going to look at. But I would be interested in seeing his Steppenwolf if that's ready. That would be nice. Um, I have a feeling, though, that this – I mean, he said a clip. So I know in the past we speculated that we might get another teaser, probably not a full-length trailer until DC Fandom. But our thinking was a teaser. He used the word clip here. So – I'm thinking we might get a clip of Cyborg. If I had to guess what this is, I think we're going to get a clip of, of Cyborg's story that we didn't get to see in the theatrical cut. So that would be my guess. Um, and now I'd be fine with that too because, um, you know, that's that's interesting to me also. I think, you know, from an excitement level, it would probably be Steppenwolf. And I want to hear – I want to get a, a taste of the real score. And um, But you don't want to you don't want to fire that off too soon, right? You want to build up to it, and I think he's doing a good job of ramping up. So I don't think it's it's answer your question about is it too much too soon? Um, I I don't think it is. I I think this is a ramp up to DC Fandom. I think DC DC Fandom is going to be the substitute Comic Con where you want to have that excitement sort of explode. So that's where I think we're going to get the big reveals. Um, But in terms of the announcement, I think he will give the fans something. I mean, I think he's part of the reason he came on this Grace Randolph interview today. I I suspect the timing was was very much to promote um, Justice Con and his appearance at Justice Con. And I think he does have something 
um, to share what that is. You know, is it is it an, an is it an announcement? Is it a date? Um, is it a format? Because you know, one thing I was actually you know taking a step back, he's still he's still talking about this as a movie, and he he actually mm. made the comment where he said that. Um, you know, what you'll see in Justice League and Batman v Superman and Man of Steel is that there's continuity across those three movies. So he's still talking about this as a movie, not a series of episodes. And, and you know, we have never had confirmation that this is going to be a series of episodes. It's been speculated. Um, but maybe it's still a movie. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get confirmation on that point. Who knows? Um, but I, I think it'll be something interesting. Um, and uh, I'm excited to find out. So, uh, I would, yeah. What, uh... I would like to see a non-CGI-faced Superman. That's what I would like to see. <laughs> give, me, yeah. give me a little piece of just Henry Cavill mm-hmm. looking awesome, looking as good as he did in both BVS and Man of Steel. Give me that. I'll be, I'll be a happy guy if I get a little piece of that because that shit looked awful. The other thing that really excites me, and Lupe, you touched on this earlier, is the dirt rising off the coffin. We still have no clue where that's going, and I don't know if he's going to save that for the movie or if that'll be something where, that he'll tease at here or in, in the trailers prior to the movie. But that's such a mystery still. Where was he going with that? Because they totally ignored that in the theatrical cut of Justice League. Um, and then Snyder did say that it was meant to mean more, much, much more, right? Um, so that would be interesting. Anything to do with Superman. I mean, we have no idea what Snyder Superman looks like in this movie because the whole freaking thing was cheesy Joss Whedon, Jeff Johns reshoots, right? So... Um, the only glimpses we've had at Snyder Superman were in the deleted scenes that came out with the Blu-ray, the very short deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting for sure. Um, obviously, any new characters. I mean, Martian Manhunter would be interesting. Um, Green Lantern would be interesting. But I, again, I think those might be a little maybe too big for this event. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, he seems to be quite into it. And there is a there is a pretty good lineup. And, and you know, when we're done here, I'll, I, I wouldn't mind just briefly touching on you know, some of the highlights of the lineup for those that are interested, but uh, I don't know what Lupe, what are your, what are your thoughts on these two things? Where do you, um, where do you see him going with this, with this clip and with the announcement? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think that it makes sense. that It's going to be something cyborg based because think about it um, on the schedule, like he's coming on right after Ray Fisher. Um, so it's, it just, it makes sense as a segue um, that, it's going to be something involving Cyborg. So that's what would I like it to be? Poof. I would like it to be Steppenwolf, but his BVS design. Like, I want to see that so badly because that, I mean, he's already said it's going to be. So I guess that's no longer something to be to be anxious about. Like, will it or won't it? It will be his Well, I, I think what, what there is to be anxious about is the actual look of it because of what we saw in BVS was uh out of that kryptonian was, material right it, yeah, it wasn't that, a clean that, wasn't a clean look at them and and some of the some of the concept art is a bit like some of it is much better than some of the other stuff so i'm mm-hmm. i've got a bit of anxiousness about this steppenwolf look like i i'm optimistic yeah. but i'm also yeah. nervous and, and i want to see it you know in terms of like everything i've seen in terms of concept design i prefer to what was in theaters let's just let's just put it that way and um even though the the Liquid Geo, the visual display technology in BVS is not, you know, like sort of picturesque. It's impressionistic. At least you got a sense of his scale and size and and weightiness and you know. And the shingled, uh, uh, that shingled metal look, the Kryptonian or uh, sorry, yeah. the Apocalyptian shingled metal look that Cyborg shares. Uh, so you do have a sense of that, and and yeah, it exactly. is pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so as long as they go in that general direction. 
I'll be fine. I don't want him to be like a looking like a wrinkly old man with like braided beard. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I swear Jeff Jones and Joe Sweden were smoking some of the best drugs. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was an, it was it was an improvement over what's in the comics. I mean, have you seen how ridiculous he is in the comics? Yes. So, so, uh, so it was still a major step up from that. I I said it before. I could have lived with the theatrical version of Steppenwolf if the lighting was corrected and the color was corrected. But I'm, I, I there are a few of the concept arts, the highly detailed ones that 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 I do particularly like, and I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that that's what it's going to look like yeah, when we finally see it in know, color. When you see when you see concept art. And then, and then you see the theatrical. It's such a step down that you, that you just wonder. Like, as I said, drugs, drugs, drugs are not good, kids. Um, <laughs> in terms of an announcement, um, I know what I really, I'd really like it to be, and what I'm very hopeful for it to be. But it's going to be massive. I'm hoping that Ryan Reynolds gets announced as Green Lantern. You that's, see, that's you what think, I was wondering. Do you think he'd do that at, that at this that's event, right. though? I think that's that, exactly what I'm thinking. Like that is so big. Like I, that's, I think like, he's saying if that if that's if that really is going to happen, though. I, that to me is a is a DC fandom thing. I think it might be yeah, something smaller. I, honestly, in terms of like rational thinking, I, I'm agreeing with you. But at the same time, any announcement period at Justice Con is a freaking big deal. Think about it. Like. Whether he's going to announce the official title, whether he's going to announce, he's not going to announce the official runtime. Um, whatever announcement that's worthy of quote unquote being an announcement, not just something that he drops in a Q, random Q and A on, on Vero, is pretty much a big deal. Even dropping a clip is a big deal to yeah. be there. Well, you know what, Lupe, the official title—that's a good point. And sorry to cut you off, but. I myself didn't realize that that Zack Snyder's Justice League wasn't the official title till recently. Like when he started putting out merchandise with Zack Snyder's Justice League on it, I I you know at first when he when he started speaking the Vero comments, I thought well he's just kind of speaking in the third person about it. Like you know when you see Zack Snyder's Justice League, he'll be wearing the black suit. But then when he started putting out branded merchandise, I thought oh well that that must be what he's calling it. I missed some of the. Um, you know, the quotes that came out around the time of release that they haven't actually decided on the final title yet. So that yeah. that was actually kind of news to me. So this Zack Snyder's Justice League is not necessarily what this thing's going to be called when it finally gets released. And I think a lot of people have missed that point. I, unless I'm, you know, unless I'm the only one that missed the boat. But I think a lot of people believe that it's called Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I was surprised to see that that actually has not been agreed upon as the formal title. So that's a very good possibility. You know, yeah. uh, title, format. Uh, release date are all things that could be announced. Um, yeah, so at least that's my thinking. But hey, if there's going to be a character reveal, great. Uh, if they're going to show us a Martian Manhunter, looks like great. You know, great. although that's not an announcement, that's that's visual. So I, I assume we're getting something more verbal when he's when he says announcement. But yeah, yeah go on, so, go on, Lupe. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, it's fine. Um, so uh, Justice Con is going to be just uh, this weekend, just mere days away we're, we're very much looking forward to that um did anything else in this interview strike you uh as as noteworthy or i mean you guys want to discuss anything about justice con in particular um paul yeah well i just i think it's worth noting like you said it's coming up this weekend it's kind of kind of snuck up on us but um you know snyder seems pretty excited about it and he you know he mentioned that it, himself in this interview that it's uh 
it's a big deal for a fan event to reach this scale because, I mean, not only is he attending himself, but there's also cast members and a number of his close friends that have worked with him on these films. Like just going through the highlights um, and and uh, for anyone that's interested and doesn't already have the information, there is a Justice Con YouTube channel where the inf- where these um, online uh, sessions are going to be streamed. Um, and I'm sure you can get information. They've got Q&A on there that I'm sure has a lot of information and, and some other videos about the guests. But um, looking briefly at the schedule, this is going to start Saturday, July 5th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time with an introduction. Um, going through the highlights on day one, you've got Ray Porter at noon. Uh, you've got uh, Ray Porter at Dark Side, obviously, at noon. Jay Oliva coming in at 2.45, uh, each, for, each scheduled for an hour. Uh, Ray Fisher at 4 o'clock till 5.15, and then Zack Snyder from 5.30 to, when, to whenever he's he's done, you know, his, his spiel. So, you know, I think there's there's a lot of interesting highlights there, especially, you know, I, I know I'll be – I'm going to try and catch as much as I can of it, but I, I certainly won't miss um, the Snyder portion, and I'm going to try and catch a couple of the other portions as well on Saturday. And then Sunday morning it picks up again at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time with Fabian Wagner. Um, then you've got Clay Enos after that and Christine uh, – Kabanban. Uh, you've got Deborah Snyder coming up at 12.15. Um, there's a diversity panel at 1.30 p.m. with um, uh, three YouTubers or bloggers um, that are familiar to the movement. And then we've got uh, an artist panel. Sean O'Connell and his uh, released the Snyder Cut book at 4.15. And then a final word wrap-up Sunday evening. So this is basically two full days of, uh, mm. of content on this YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I'd suggest... Have a look, um, you know, at the schedule. Watch what you can watch, and uh, and my understanding is that these will be available on YouTube afterwards for for watching if you're not able to watch them live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, seems like it's going to be an exciting couple of days. On Saturday, unfortunately, I will be working. I have like a bunch of like big like work uh, meetings and stuff, especially in this sort of precarious time. There's some stuff that we have to organize um so saturday i wasn't able to to i wasn't able to take the time off um but i will live vicariously through y'all in my mind (laughs) i'll probably be in serious meetings giving presentations and updates and be daydreaming about (laughs) about what's going on um but but that's fine i will catch up with you guys and definitely the next enn we're gonna do a super 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 deep dive it's gonna be it's going to be so, so freaking amazing. So amazing. Um, so there's our uh, ENN for the day, episode 36 in the books. We don't have the coming soon section today because Hollywood has basically just stopped. Um, but hopefully uh, by next week we have um, a clip <laughs> to talk about. And the entire um, Snyder Cut is a coming soon section. We, we might actually do just a, a particular ENN special breaking down Justice Con. I think that would be a good idea. And then tackle uh, news topics on its own. So um, we will see you guys very soon. Uh, Let's say goodbye to the people. Christian, uh, tell them where they can find you and say goodbye to the people. You got it. And it was good to have Paul back and be back at full strength. Uh, Anybody out there want to yell at me about my takes? You can catch Mm -hmm. me on Twitter at chart6363. Okay. And Paul. Yeah, likewise. Uh, you can find me as always on Twitter at underscore Paul underscore P. And uh, happy to hear about why uh, the long Halloween and uh, mobster movies are, are better than I give them credit for. <laughs> well, uh, I have been yours truly, 
Lupe. You can find me on Twitter at Live Love Lupe. You can find me on the very social media app at Live Love Lupe as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. Guys, stay safe. You know, wear your mask, press, practice social distancing, just be as responsible as you can so that we can just, you know, get over the hump of this thing and then move on, you know, with our lives. Um, so we'll see you on the next episode of ENN. Until then, stay exiled. <laughs>